Hello and welcome to the SJ Chronicles. It is uh, coming up to 11.15 p.m. on, what day is it? Tuesday, the 14th of November, 2017. Hope you had a great day. Today for me was a day um, at home working with the usual myriad of um, the gamut of different types of tasks that uh, currently seem to cross my desk, as it were. Um, Everything from preparing CPD to reviewing shareholders agreements and feeding back on videos and <laughs> just a whole kind of range of different stuff um sorry about the noise in the background but my desk chair has seen better days and uh creaks if i move which <laughs> is not very helpful uh there's a few things i wanted to talk about today um let's start with this one which is just something that i noticed a couple of times in recent times so you know when you are um, you know, giving a webinar or doing a CPD session, people will ask you to provide them with um, your bio or like a textual CV, a sort of personal summary that they can include in the marketing material and also potentially read out uh, at the session. Um, but sometimes people don't ask you for stuff and they just gather the stuff themselves. <laughs> and um, one of the CPD sessions I did recently um the stuff that they had put on the website was just so out of date and inaccurate (laughs) it was hilarious in some ways um the reason i was thinking about it was i was asked if i would be featured on a veterinary website um here in the uk uh some time ago and i hadn't heard back so i assumed they just decided not to bother but then i got you know um a document through today from the from the woman that's in charge basically saying, oh, you know, this is um, this is what we've prepared and if you're happy with it, we'll go <laughs> go ahead and publish it in the next sort of month or so. Um, and it made me laugh out loud when I read it um, because let's just say it's not accurate uh, by far. Um, they, they've, for starters, they've got the Ralph and the Ralph site mixed up and so they think that I'm currently working on a startup that's a non-profit pet bereavement support website. <laughs> Um, which is clearly called the Ralph, which is clearly so far removed from, you know, what the Ralph is. Um, and it did make me laugh because I suppose if you don't check these things, um, I'll just go ahead and publish them. And, um, I'm going to have to spend a bit of time redoing what they've written tomorrow morning because to be honest, it's not, it's not very good. Um, so yeah, it did make me laugh. Anyway, the the other thing um, I wanted to talk about today was, you know, I often talk in these podcasts about resilience and one of the areas that that definitely features in is in the whole area of fundraising um, around startups and not just startups, but any business. And, you know, I've said before that um, fundraising is notoriously well known for being uh, in not for everybody, that's for sure, but certainly for many people, something that requires a lot of persistence and resilience and you know, that you can expect to get told no many times before somebody says yes. Um, And I'm not speaking specifically about our experience with the Ralph here, I'm just speaking in general terms, but there is a point coming up. Um, But you know what, I remember once listening to a podcast where this guy was being interviewed several years after his business um, launched and they were trading and they were doing okay and they were what what was referred to as a bootstrapped business. Um, and, And they had approached like, well over a hundred different funds. Um, I can't remember the number, but it was astounding. I think it was like 130 before somebody finally agreed to fund them. Can you imagine going to 130 different funds 
and all of them telling you no, and you still are running your business, and you still have the conviction and the resilience to run and grow that business and persevere with it, even though all of these people who are in sort of investor experts and in inverted commas are telling you no repeatedly. Um, I mean, this is the kind of thing that entrepreneur life uh, demands of you. Um, you know, so it's... Um, any the reason I was bringing it up is because I think sometimes people keep going for different reasons, right? Sometimes because they're just not bothered and they have total conviction in what they're doing. It's um, that sort of, you know, being, being an observer and being detached. Sometimes it's out of desperation. They're just so desperate because they're so scared of failing that they'll just keep going back and back and back, sometimes to the same people over and over and over again. But um, anyway, I'm going to pop back after the interlude because I want to talk about something completely different. So I'm back, and in this segment, um, I wanted to talk about something known as pathological skepticism. Now I hear you say, say what? What does that even mean, right? Well, that would have been me too this morning. But the one and only wonderful Leila mentioned the term to me today. And um, yeah, thought, well, let's uh, do some very quick skirting around for some definitions of what pathological skepticism is. So if you go on Google and you start searching for it, you find things that go along the lines of this. So one of them is refers to the excessive use of skepticism to the extreme detriment of that person and or in their relationships with others. You also find um, on Wikipedia, pseudo-skepticism is a philosophical or scientific position which appears to be that of skepticism or scientific skepticism, but which in reality fails to be so. And um, I found this thing here saying in 1987, Marcello Truzzi revived the term specifically for arguments which use scientific sounding language to disparage or refute given beliefs, theories or claims, but which in fact fail to follow the precepts of conventional scientific scepticism. He argued that scientific scepticism is agnostic to new ideas, etc. Um, and you know, you can find lots of other things. So for example, another website has characteristics of pseudo-skeptics versus true skeptics. And there's actually like a list of comparison charts um, true skeptics they label as open-minded, pseudo-skeptics they label as closed-minded. So it's a little bit different to pathological skepticism. But um, yeah, and, and please go and look some stuff up yourself because this is really just a, a first. Oh, actually, the other thing I wanted to mention is the term skeptopathy. <laughs> so apparently, literally, the term skeptopathy means pathological skepticism. Um, what is this all about? Well, you know, you know that probably one of the most common things I mention um, on this podcast is about being open-minded, and um, you know, I've been—I don't know—I probably mention it <laughs> several times a week, don't I? Um, and when you look at why people may not be open-minded, I think you know there are there are different reasons, but inherently, um, I think it really just boils down to their conditioning, doesn't it? So. 
they have been exposed, conditioned to a certain paradigm, a certain set of beliefs um, that has sort of become so ingrained in terms of their personal identity and their personal narrative that, um, you know, they just can't see past it or they don't want to entertain the idea of um, you know, basically being open-minded. Now, I think some people would like to say that being open-minded is something that they are and that they do, but it's very much one of those things that's sort of, um, it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to practice it. And I think what you'll probably find is there'll be a lot, a lot of people who will say they're open-minded until you start to talk to them about something that is part of their personal narrative or part of their personal, um, you know, the way in which they see themselves, something that's invested in their ego and then their open-mindedness will dissipate very quickly um, and you know I love this idea of especially in the science world and in the medicine world um, the people using all this sort of scientific inverted commas language and justification to try and um, shut down an alternative point of view and yet if you go and look to the foundations of what they're saying, there is nothing. <laughs> so, you know, you can use foundationless so-called scientific arguments <laughs> to try and shut down discussion um, around issues where all someone is actually telling you to do is to be open-minded. And, and that's just one of the biggest hilarities. And, and actually, you know, social media is rife with it, um, with people being very closed-minded about things that actually they they don't even necessarily understand the depth of, you know, the evidence behind their position. It's just something they've been so conditioned to that they just can't see past it. And if they took the time, um, I'm pretty sure that they would find that uh, an alternative view, or at least being open-minded, was a more reasonable way to be. Anyway, um, I will catch you again tomorrow. So in the meantime, take chances, be compassionate, live in a beautiful state, have an open heart and an open mind. Cheers.